So welcome everybody. So I am sitting here with this guy and I think I've figured it out. I'm supposed to point this way in the screen there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is Brandon Harris. He's the co-founder of Premier Fitness Systems. Uh, a little bit of background on him. So he has his bachelor's degree in kinesiology from ASU, Arizona State University. So we're both Phoenix, Arizona guys. Uh, he's been training athletes since 2002. He trains a bunch of professional athletes. So like AJ Pollock from the Dodgers, uh, another guy from the Diamondbacks, uh, Levi Kelly, who also does jiu-jitsu now. I saw him at, uh, at Jiu-Jitsu World League a few weeks ago. Um, and if you're watching this on video, he probably looks familiar and you're trying to figure out like, where the hell have I seen this dude before with this giant beard? Uh, but uh, you may have seen him on the UFC's Embedded because he also trained Sean O'Malley. Is that right, Brandon? Yes, sir. Yep. So a couple of other things to know about Brandon. Like I said, he's a fellow Phoenix guy. So we're in the same city, but we're in, we're in different locations, obviously, as you can see from the video. Um, if you don't follow him on Instagram, should because this dude is shredded. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, brand for PSF or PF. And then he also has a new podcast coming out called Human. Uh, so thanks for coming on, Brandon. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity to connect for sure. And so, you know, before we jumped on, we were talking about it and you have a, a new challenge that's coming up. So other than the fact that you need to breathe to stay alive, uh, you know, what is the importance of, you know, breathing in our training and breathing to help us just with overall health and those sorts of things? I think it's, it, it's the foundation of how we move. So, so the way you breathe is your posture. So that's extremely important if you think of it from a health, longevity, and, and athletic standpoint. Uh, but it also is this gateway to our nervous system and, and to our mental state. So as, a, as an athlete, as a BJJ athlete or, or any type of athlete, your ability to, to control your mind is so important. And I think, I think a breath work practice and just moving in that direction and tapping into that is, is just so fundamental for, uh, for so many things. It's, it's really important. It's, it's changed my life dramatically for the better. So you know, that's kind of my goal is to be able to help people understand how it can have a positive effect in, in their lives. Awesome. And I know I, I saw something you were doing the other day where you were like hanging sideways off of a pull-up bar, like knees to chest, and then also doing some breath work combined with that, right? So yeah, was, how does that help us or how does doing that kind of work, what does it do for us? That's it. I mean, it's a great question, right? So there, there again, there's a lot of different ways that breathing can be, can be brought into your practice. Um, that type of breath work is going to be more more understanding how to create a brace so how to use the diaphragm effectively and efficiently to then um, be stronger so most people would have a connection with like a power lift power lifters are they you know familiar with like a weight belt well a weight belt is a way to to give you feedback for are you using your diaphragm correctly so that type of movement is more can i breathe and create this intra-abdominal pressure that will help me be strong, um, which would be fundamental for, again, a, a BJJ athlete, right? You get grabbed, somebody grabs you, they get your hands on you. Like your ability to, to create a brace and be strong is definitely correlated with, with your ability to use your diaphragm. So and there's just so many ways that, that breathwork can be integrated in with, with our practice. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, part of the reason I'm bringing that up is because I know most of us don't pay attention to that at all, right? It's, all right, I, I'm right. not getting choked, so I'm breathing, so I'm good, uh, but you need to be a little bit more more intentional than that for sure. So sure. Let, let's take a little bit of a step back. So I mentioned that, you know, you train a bunch of professional athletes, you, you train some baseball players, some basketball players, uh, and some UFC guys. How'd you get into kind of training in general? So I, I played baseball as well, like like I know you said, and grew up playing baseball and, and got to, I had, you know, always had goals of playing at a higher level and had uh, some like small opportunities to play in college and instead took an academic scholarship to ASU and just really kind of struggled with finding my, my place and my purpose there and, and stumbled into kinesiology, which I just fell in love with because I was always really interested in the body and, and performance. And that led right into coaching training for, you know, personal training at first, which is a little bit different. And then that uh, carried into opening a gym um, that now I've had for almost 11 years. And then that led to working with, with different athletes. And, and I think really just you know, my, my advice for anybody is just to, to work, to constantly try to grow. And I think that's what opened those doors is as I became better at my craft, I started to have opportunities to help different types of people. And, and really, I think jujitsu is such a, I, I mean, I've practiced a, a little bit of jujitsu. It's something that I would love to get into more. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed is, is it's just people that do jujitsu really quick, I think become aware of this endless opportunity to grow that like you just you're just scratching the surface and even as a black belt like you you meet black belts that are like man I've just I've just started this thing which is so cool because because I think that's fundamental for us as humans like if we don't have something that we're working to grow at we're a little lost so I, I love it I love the the uh the tribe the environment that jujitsu athletes have for sure yeah, for sure, right? If you if you think you know it all, that basically proves you don't know shit because you're, right. yeah. there's way more you can learn regardless of how skilled you are and that sort of thing. Right. So, you know, when you're working with your athletes, what kind of training are you doing? Um, it depends, right? It really depends on the, the relationship and the role that I fill with the athlete. So, you know, that's something that I always, I try to be an extension of the athlete's team. So that could be that could be a baseball player in their organization, right? It could be a, um, you know, it, it could be a fighter that I'm not. Maybe I'm not operating as the head strength and conditioning coach, so I fill a role. So I don't, you know, I don't want to butt heads. Like I want to make sure that, you know, there's synergy. So it really depends on what my role is, and then the athlete themselves, and what gaps or what holes do I think need to be filled from a a strength and conditioning standpoint, maybe it's, maybe there's a mental, you know, a mental piece, but it, it's very, but I think that's part of what makes it so cool and so beautiful is it's, di it's very dynamic depending on the, the depending on the relationship and, and the goals. So do you do like a, an initial, you know, not like questionnaire, but do you do like an initial assessment to figure out like, okay, hey, where is this guy at? And then from there, you kind of develop a plan like, all right, here, so I can help him fill some of those gaps. Is that about how it works? For sure. Yeah. I kind of, kind of think of it as like a needs analysis. Um, so what are your goals? What's the history? Do we have injuries? You know, really try to break that down, evaluate movement, evaluate joint 
joint positions and joint range of motion and then and then decide like okay what what's the direction we need to take this with with again ultimately the goal of uh, enhancing the athlete's ability to use their athleticism like that's kind of the way I look at it is um, you know it's a little bit of a puzzle and how does how does strength and conditioning how does training how does movement fit in to to help that person be more successful at their sport so what does it look like like how different is the training from let's say a professional baseball player to like when you're working with Sean O'Malley like are they doing the same things or is it completely different or somewhere in between it's it's in between and again it depends a lot on the the person um so i think i try to look at it as we're all humans first and there's like this fundamental foundational you know uh circle that we need to fill first and and typically what you what you'll see with like really elite athletes is they're they're uh they're so good at their specialization but they they lack in other fundamental things so they so they might be it's like they might be a black belt in bjj but they're a white belt in the gym right so the trick there is if you pull them too much away out of their specialization you could have a negative effect on their their sport like i really believe that and i think strength and conditioning coaches will mess that up is they'll try to pull them in to like be a weightlifter or whatever when that's not what their sport is. Um, so that's again, where it gets kind of complex and, and it's kind of this dynamic nature, but there's this human layer first that I think typically needs to be filled. And it's like, this: can somebody breathe? That's probably number one. Um, do they have a good connection with their body? Is their sensor motor awareness good? Um, do they manage planes of motion well so you know do they manage the sagittal plane do they manage the frontal plane transverse plane like can they can they move in that plane and still uh still kind of hold the position uh, and then once that's established then you okay now you can get to some of the more advanced stuff if it's even necessary right there are there are times when i think i think that might be it is is someone is so good at their sport that you could probably do them more harm by pulling them away so we're just trying to restore some type of balance to the system so when you talk about planes of motion i assume you're talking about like how you know the shoulder moves right for like a pitcher like throwing like this or for a, a fighter right the rotation of their shoulders and their hands and that sort of thing is that what you're talking about yeah yeah it's it's like it's ba it's kind of basic uh biomechanics i guess where you know we have the sagittal plane which is more of like bilateral, really kind of, it's not one dimensional movement because it never is, but it'd be like more of your simple movements. And then you, you know, frontal plane, which is slightly different transverse is where we start to bring in three dimensional rotation. Um, and it's like athletic movement is typically always going to be transverse. It's multi, multi-dimensional movement, right? It's multi, multiple plane. But if somebody doesn't own the, the sagittal plane, like if they're not good in the in the simple plane, they're probably going to struggle in the in the transverse plane. Things are going to break down. So it's it's like a simple way to back it out so you can move it forward, right? If somebody can't do a a simple uh, hinge like a deadlift, 
they're going to have a hard time doing a, you know, a step in a, a, a punch with weight or whatever. They're going to have a hard time throwing a kettlebell into a rotational movement. So it's, it's that it's like, you need to back things out. Like if you're breaking down things, a good example would be you're learning jujitsu. You don't take somebody day one to the advanced movements, right? You, you nail a very, the basic movements first, and then you progress it out. So I think it's the same way in the gym is to be honest, it's a good way of looking at it is the gym. It should be looked at like a martial art, but it's, it's not a lot of times. It's just, it's a workout, right? So the trainer takes the coach, takes a person and they just beat them up, but there's no breaking down of the movement so that it be, it's more skill-based. So that's probably a decent way of looking at it. So when you're working with them, do you do more like powerlifting movements or is it more kind of functional where you're replicating some of the movements that they do in their sport and just adding, you know, more efficient movements along that plane? It's both. So, and I'm, I'm going to move spots here. I feel like I'm outside. So it's like, I can't see it. So now I'm changing. So hopefully that looks, that might look a little bit better, different, but it's both. It's, um, you know, they're all just tools. And I think powerlifting, Olympic lifting is a really valuable tool. It's just a lot. It's a skill. So if you're going to use those, if you're going to use those, um, those models, those, those, if you're going to use those tools, you better make sure that you, you're doing them well. Um, and, and again, it would be like an advanced BJJ move. Like if somebody's going to, you know, I don't, I was watching the fights last night and they're, uh, they're talking about like a twister, right? I forget whose fight it was. I don't know what that is, but I'm assuming that like it's an advanced move that maybe not everybody has and the fighter didn't have access to it, or at least it didn't look like it's, it'd be like that. Like if you're going to do a, a an advanced powerlifting or a kettlebell move, there's risk. So you better make sure that that person has an understanding of how to execute it correctly. Okay. That makes sense. So let's kind of jump into just kind of the fight access of it. What are some of the strength and conditioning things that us as fighters, whether it's MMA or just jujitsu, that we should be doing to, you know, keep our bodies in check, keep us strong, those sorts of things? So I think if you are, if you're looking to compete at a higher level, I think it's similar to a UFC athlete, right? In that there needs to be a base level of, uh, of aerobic an aerobic base. So a lot of times what I've noticed with fighters is everything is high intensity and because that's what the sport looks like, but there's a lack of an, of a base level aerobic conditioning. So it's like a lot of times it's that it's building that aerobic base, which is the slower, longer stuff that is a little bit different than what you would be doing while you're rolling. So building a ro an aerobic base, I think is a really good thing. That's, that's longer duration, lower heart rates. So it's kind of the boring stuff. It's, you know, go out on a 45 minute run, ride your bike for 45 minutes in a lower heart rate. Typically that that's probably heart rate under 160. So you almost feel like you're not working that hard, but, it, but you just, your, your, your aerobic fitness just starts to come up. And the bigger your aerobic fitness is, the bigger that base is, the better you are at using your power system. So so you're, you're in a fight and there's this grappling exchange and it's high intensity and it's power, power, power. And then it, it kind of stops and you find yourself on the ground. The person that has a, a better aerobic base will recover quicker. 
so that's that's important um and then i think i think the mobility and just uh movement variability is really key for a jiu-jitsu athlete right having having the, the access to the multiple planes, having good fluidity is extremely important in, in your sport. So let me ask this. I know that there's kind of different camps. You know, some guys kind of combined strength and conditioning to their a la like cro more CrossFit kind of stuff. Some guys kind of separate out. Yeah. Or they do like, you know, powerlifting or more strength-based movements and then they do running or cycling or swimming or those sorts of things. What if, what do you see as far as what's best for a fighter? I think you need both. So not to say that they can't be combined or that they couldn't happen in the same training session. That again would depend on the athlete, but you, but you want both because they are different. They're different. They're different skills that you're building. Um, and I, and I think the really elite, the really elite fighters have both, right? They're powerful. They're explosive. They have really good endurance. Uh, they have good resiliency in, in the ranges of motion, right? So you want to be able to build both and you want to have, I mean, ultimately the, the real key is having some type of plan that's built out that says like, here's how, here's what we want to get. Here's how we're going to evaluate where we are and are we making improvements and then moving forward. And the tricky part in fighting, at least with the, the, the MMA athletes is there's typically not a lot of time, right? So to really make uh, significant gains, you need consistency, you need progress, progressive adaptation, right? There needs to be that kind of structure. You don't always have that time. So you kind of have to look at it from more of a macro perspective, but, but yeah, it's, it, where do we want to get, what's the vision for this person? And then how are we going to execute that plan over the course of months and, and years? Nice. All right. So, you know, I think you talked a little bit about recovery and, you know, if you do, you know, you just go ride a bike for 45 minutes, that actually helps you recover faster, um, right. rolling or those sorts of things. But what about more traditional types of recovery? Like after you work out, like ice baths, sauna, those sorts of things, what kind of things should we do to help our bodies? Cause we do beat the shit out of ourselves. Yeah. It's an interesting one again, because you, there's, I think the, the, like, a lot of the latest research on, say, ice baths is because it 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 kind of blunts um, inflammation. Um, it's good for recovery, but it potentially has a negative effect on the 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 gains that you're going to get from your workout, right? So, it slows the the blood flow just kind of fill in the muscle tears, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. So I guess, it, again, it depends on what matters more. If you're looking to recover and also the, the mental benefits of, of like ice baths, I think trump everything else. So I would say for, for most people, if like, if that's something that they will do and want to do, doing that as a recovery modality is still great. Like the, the mental benefits outweigh that potential decrease in inflammation that might have a slight negative effect on um, the, 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 the progress of the tissue but in a perfect world maybe you would do that a few hours after you train like it would be a nightly thing um but the heat the ice uh, those are i think they're great modalities to help somebody recover and if you're if it helps you with your sleep if it helps you with quieting your mind those benefits are are really really powerful maybe the most powerful 
that you're going to get. So how long should we spend in the ice bath? Because I will totally admit I hate cold water. <laughs> so I yeah. intentionally avoid it. I intend instead go to the sauna. Like I can suck it up in a sauna for 30 minutes. Way easier yeah. than like five minutes in an ice bath. Yeah, I'm the same way, man. Um, but it, it's like if it's cold enough, three minutes, you're look, I think you're looking for a like physiological shift. So the shift, the shift is it's kind of an oh shit moment. It's a fight or flight. And then you breathe through it and you get that shift or you can see it in somebody. They go from kind of panic to calming down. Their breath slows down. The exhales get longer. There's a good shift, like a sympathetic fight response to a rest, recover, parasympathetic response. And then you've got it. And then it's like really probably at that point, the majority of the, of the benefits have happened. And if you stay in longer, you know, there probably is a slightly more benefit, but, but that's it. So it can be, it can be a quick, a quick thing, a couple minute thing, if it's cold enough. And I was actually just, you know, I was talking to, uh, to sugar about this and he's really good at using ice and, and the, the point he brought up, which I thought was just a really cool testament to him as a person and a fighter is it's when you put yourself in an uncomfortable environment, you appreciate the comfort. So you could just look at it like that, right? It's get your ass in the ice. It sucks. It's not easy, but you, you embrace it. You accept it, that it's just pain. You get through that. And then when you go at night, you get in your hot shower or you go, you lay down in bed with your spouse, like you're going to appreciate those moments more. And that's a pretty, that's a, that's a powerful thing. Like, I don't think we're intended to be comfortable a hundred percent of the time as humans. So, so again, jujitsu is, uh, I think that's people fall in love with this sport because probably there's a, probably a big piece of that, that that uncomfortableness that you get is, is primal is, is important. And you, you're done at the practicing, right? You're like, I love everybody, right? Yeah. I love my brother. I love you go home and you're, you're better with your wife. Um, and I, there's probably a big piece of that that plays in. So, for sure, I found that that, that uncomfortableness actually helps me in real life, right? Because in yeah. life, if I go into like a business meeting or something, nobody's going to try to choke me unconscious, or they're not going to try to break my arm, right? And so, right, yeah. it makes me much less nervous or uh, apprehensive when I go into that because I know the night before. Again, some guy was trying to choke me out. So yeah, that uh, being uncomfortable makes you more comfortable in a lot more situations for sure. For sure, yeah. So I know, you know, you're not necessarily a nutritionist, but obviously, you know, you take great care of yourself and you work with fighters. How big of a role does nutrition play in our overall health and fight preparation and strength and those kinds of things? It's probably the biggest piece, you know, I think so. I think, you know, if you look at, if you look at, um, kind of low-hanging fruit and not to say that nutrition is easy but like that would be maybe the first one I would pick off and then sleep you know and then those things are going to play into your training right I think I think the way you want to look at it is um, if you're trying to optimize your training you want to look at what you put in your body is just is huge um, so I think you start there and you work on cleaning that up and then everything else will fall fall into into you know into its the right spot. So it's huge. Okay. 
Perfect. So let's talk about, you know, kind of getting ready for a fight, right? You have, you've worked with Sean for a while now. What are some of the, the things you've learned on the, on the training side leading up to a fight? Like, let's say he has like a six week camp or an eight week camp. Where do you start like eight weeks out? And then what does it look like? Let's say a week out going into a fight. So it definitely varies. It's, it's varied with him because of where he's at, right? So he's progressed a ton. So we have a different foundation. Um, but generally speaking, it's the, the, a lot of the work takes place outside of camp. Like that's like one of the conversations him and I always have is like you grow outside of camp, camp you find you're fine tuning. So during a six week camp, it's not the time to try to dramatically increase somebody's strength, strength, right? You've, you've done that outside the camp. Now you're fine tuning your, your, like your kind of tunnel vision, everything into what the, what the person needs to be successful. You're, you're also prioritizing health. So I think that's, that's a big piece is the MMA load will go up. The you know, sparring goes up. The total volume of MMA goes up. So to be honest, strength and conditioning now needs to decrease to a certain degree. And it probably shifts more into fine tuning the little pieces and making sure that the athlete feels good, is recovering well. That I think is, is really, really important because, because again, you have to prioritize MMA. Um, I, would, I would rather him get good training sessions in with his jiu-jitsu coach with his head coach and then strength and conditioning is there to assist those pieces because he's not a weightlifter, right? The athlete's not a weightlifter. So that's, that's, I think really important in it from a strength coach is to be humble enough to say, it's an important piece. It matters, but it's not the number one piece because I can't tell you how many times I've seen some of the best, uh, fighters baseball players in the world that you look at what they do in the gym and you're like that's from my perspective it's bad but they're still the best at their sport so with that being said it's like you know like getting a person better at doing whatever it may be a kettlebell swing a bench press uh isn't necessarily what's going to make or break them from being uh, a world champion so what does that look like from a practical perspective like are they doing, you know, strength and conditioning work like two, three times a week? And then they're, you know, doing Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu six, seven times a week. Or what does that balance sort of look like? In a fight camp? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it varies. I think you, you want a, you want a model that appreciates the up and down nature of the human, meaning you don't want to force a guy or a girl into a, high intensity all out training session when they're off but in a camp like it's you're getting like you have to also go right like it's not a time to say ah, i just don't feel like doing it today but there's a weird balance between that so i think you want some type of of system in place that that can at least monitor that so i just i try to have a really good relationship with my guys or my girls of saying like hey if when i ask you how you feel I want you to be honest with me and I get, you get to know that person, right. To where you can see, you see them, they're just a little off. So maybe we make an adjustment there. Maybe the week looks a little bit different, but it's still a fight, a fight camp. Like it's, you got, the person's going to feel off. Typically say with Sean, 
uh, we're doing three, three, maybe four strength conditioning with one of those being more of a full recovery training session, breathing, moving, stretching. And then we'll prioritize his, his, a lot of his conditioning will also come on his own. Like he knows what he, we look at like a week by week and here's your goal today. And then it gets integrated in with his MMA as well. So I, I think there needs to be synergy between those two to a certain degree. So if like, if we start off and it's like, we're working a, like say the goal is anaerobic power, which is like all out and it's, di you know, decent amount of recovery that can be integrated in his MMA training. So and then his, his coach understands like, okay, Hey, I want you to, you know, let's push him really hard and then give him recovery. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a mild heart rate and it's just a, uh, it's just rhythm. It's just technique. So it can be integrated together as well. You know, you mentioned, you know, stretching, flexibility, mobility, that kind of thing. What are some things that as fighters we should be doing to help slash improve those kinds, that aspect of our game? I, th I think a, a good daily, nightly, maybe morning routine is, is really powerful where it's uh, down-regulating the system. So you're breathing. Breathing is probably priority number one. And then uh, moving, learning to move and connect with your body, right? I think stretching stretching is really beneficial there. It's a, it's a great gateway to connect the mind and body. Um, and it doesn't have to be super passive. Like it doesn't have to be just holding. It can be, you know, moving and kind of flowing and breathing. But it's a great way to downregulate downregulate your system, and that helps you sleep better. That helps you clear your mind. So, I, so I think integrating that into your routine in some way, five minutes, right? Five minutes can can work. I mean, it could, it could be an hour, right? But a, but a minimal just slowing down and giving yourself that opportunity, I think, is really powerful. And should, with like stretching and mobility, should you start with more dynamic movements, meaning you're kind of getting the blood flowing and then go into static? Because from what I've heard, right, if you just jump into static, it's not that great for you. Yeah. Generally speaking, yes. Yeah. So if you're warming up, you want it to be dynamic. Like if, if it's up, if it's maybe the first part before you, you go roll, right, you, you know, you're kind of getting everything going and learning how to move and breathe, I think is, is really powerful. Um, if it's, you know, at the end of your day and it's a down regulation, I think even there before you just go into holds, just, just moving a bit can get the blood circulating. It's just a slower tempo, but I think generally where that comes into play is people talk about, you don't want to, you don't want a static stretch and then ask your body to be explosive. So if I was to go, you know, touch my toes and breathe for five minutes and then get under a bar that doesn't make any sense right you're asking your nervous system to do two completely different things um so dynamic dynamic stretching dynamic mobility dynamic movement prior that progress that into even more dynamic before you're doing whatever you're going to do and then at the end you can down regulate that can turn into more of like static which i think is more of a mind thing anyways it's more of a a breathing mind thing so let me ask this again. You, I know you work with a lots of professional athletes. How would you vary the training between a professional athlete and those of us that are hobbyists, right? Like we have like a real job, uh, you know, from, right. you know, eight to five-ish, but we still, you know, do MMA or do jujitsu on the side. 
How should we train differently than those guys? Right. Depends on the person and what their goals are and how serious they want to be. I mean, you could take an average Joe and train them like a pro athlete if they want that, right? It's, it's, it's probably more of looking at a pro athlete, you're chasing maybe a 1% increase. Like they're, they're so elite that that 1% is huge, right? You take, you take the UFC athletes, that 1% might make the difference between a world champion and a, and a non your average human, you're not chasing 1% increase typically. So then it's more about health, longevity, strength, power, those things play in. But that, I mean, that can be kind of fun because there's a little bit less pressure, right? It's like if you take a 40-year-old uh, dad or a mom and you, you help them eat healthier, sleep better, move better, that has a significant effect on their quality of their life. The pro athlete, you're chasing these little gaps. But with that being said, if you're, if you're a dad and you're, you know, doing jujitsu three times a week and you want to get down to the nitty gritty of getting better at something very specific, I think that that can be the, the plan as well. Right. It's, 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 Hey, what do you, I mean, I, I kind of train myself that way. Right. I'm looking at, I want to be healthy. I want to be, that's the idea with higher human is this, I want this balance, the yin yang of being, being strong, capable, powerful. And then also having this other side that I can tap into uh, a spiritual connection, a, a really slow breathing connect. And I think that that's what that represents to me, but I, I'm still chasing, you know, doing some cool stuff. For sure. So, you know, you mentioned a 40-year-old dad. I'm not 40, but I'm pretty damn close. Um, right. Well, hey, I'm there. So, you know, we're good, man. All right. So for those of us that are a little bit older, how should or should it at all our training change from when you're like, let's say 25 to when you're 40-ish? Yeah, we should be smarter. So hopefully we're all smarter as we get a little older. Fingers crossed. But, yeah, but, but I think it should be smart when you're 20. So that's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you just, you've made those some mistakes. So now you should have a better understanding of what you're after. But ideally, if you were 20 and you trained smart, it's going to benefit you as you get older. But again, it, I'm getting, I, you're going to hate my answer because I feel like it's always going to be the answer, but it depends on the person. It depends on where they are. If they're a white belt in the gym and they train like a black belt, they might get hurt, right? If, if a person is a black belt and they, they have a good training age and they have a good base, now things can, can change. And, and, it, and it's probably more about if a person value, how much does a person value health versus strictly performance, right? If you value performance, so let's say you're a 40-year-old guy and you're like, dude, I don't, I don't give a shit about feeling good. I want to be a savage i'm okay being sore i'm okay hurting i wouldn't recommend that that wouldn't be i, I don't know if i want to work with that guy but then you say okay like we're going to get after it a little bit different versus someone it's like i just want i want to have peace in my life i want to feel good i don't care about deadlifting 500 pounds i don't care about you know running up a mountain they, they shift and you probably want you probably want more of a, a balanced approach 
that you want that yin yang and maybe it maybe the pendulum tilts a little bit to one side occasionally and then it comes back to the other side and there's some type of undulation there so that you're always you're moving forward you're making you're making improvements you're, you're progressing but then you're also allowing yourself to recover nice so you know you mentioned your your podcast higher human i know a part of that is you know the mindset components up and those kinds of things what are some mindset tips or tricks or things that you found that have really helped you become more, more Zen, more a competent, capable person and have kind of helped you uh, in the gym and in life? Um, well, breath work, mindfulness is huge. So, I, so with that, I think it's reading. I think it, it definitely helps to be progressing your knowledge of, of certain things if that interests you. Um, it, a awareness of your fears, your insecurities, I think is, I think is really, really powerful because I think a lot of, a lot of limitations that we all have are rooted in fear and that fear is not our fault, right? It's just, we've just been conditioned, right? It's, it's just, and sometimes it's really, it's really good. Like these are good things. Like, you know, we want to be successful because we want to make our parents proud or, Right. Well, these things that if you really take a step back and you evaluate in yourself and you're not afraid to uh, be open with, doors will open for you to, pro to progress. And I think those are really, really powerful things. Like if you can take some time and, and, and really kind of try to unravel with those things, which can be difficult, right? But take some time to unravel those things. You'll have a clear understanding of yourself. I think it's like Bruce Lee has a quote that I always share and it's, it's, I'm going to butcher this cause I'm not one to remember things verbatim, but you know, it's like understanding your fear is the beginning of really knowing something like that. But if you really break that down and you think about it, like he was, he was an amazing martial artist and an amazing human, but he's a philosopher. And to me, that's so powerful because it's stating that if you understand the roots of your fears you, you gain an insight into yourself as a human, and then you can start to, to, to grow. So those would be a few things like breath work. I think everybody can, can definitely benefit from just diving into that. And it's so simple, but so hard, but there's so much that comes from that. And then just accepting, you know, that we all have fears and not being, not being, you know, too, too big of too, too manly or too, too ego driven to just say like, that doesn't make me any less of a, of a person. Right. So those would be a few things that I would recommend. Yeah. It's kind of, I, it's a different perspective, but you know who Simon Sinek is and like start with why. Yeah. It's, yeah, for sure. I always kind of get that same thing. Like, okay, I'm afraid of this, which is kind of like the top level stuff. And okay, I'm afraid of whatever. I'm afraid of this guy beating me up. All right, but what's the real thing? Because you're not actually afraid of that guy beating up, beating you up. It's more of I'm afraid of feeling less than, or I'm afraid of, you know, as a kid, I didn't feel like I was cool enough or whatever those things. If you can get to those deep level, like the real why, that's where you can really start to make some changes and kind of make some breakthroughs. Yeah, you nailed it, man. Yeah, it's powerful. It's hard to do. You know, it's a lot of it is cultural based. I think a lot of it is just how we're taught it, you know, to, to grind through things. And, and there's a, there's a balance there. I think there is a balance there. It's, it's a, and I've heard, I've heard this be asked before. I don't remember where I heard it first, but it seems like it's a theme that reoccurs in stuff that I read and listen to. It's, it's like, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? 
Like, right. Like if you knew uh, you, you would become, I don't know, or you knew you, you would get a black belt in jujitsu, would you do it? Or, you know, what would be if you, if the, you knew you couldn't fail it and what route would you go? Like, that's an interesting way of looking at it. What would you choose to do in your life? It's kind of a, kind of a cool little drill to, to do. For sure. All right. So we've been talking a little bit about mindset. So I know that there are a number of, of fighters that smoke a lot of weed. Um, and so how does smoking weed affect your training or does it at all? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're not talking about the guy I work with, are you? I mean, I, I'll, <laughs> it, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, uh, you know, talking about Sugar Sean, he's, uh, he's a smart man and he, he doesn't abuse things. Um, and I think that's what, I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. And, and you're going to get tons of different opinion on this. I think, I think like smoking, I think can be an, be an asset because I think, I think it can open you up to, um, uh, it can open you up to things that maybe you need to work on. Right. But it can be abused. And that's that, that line with probably anything, any, any substance, you know, if you have a glass of wine at night to calm you down, I don't think it's a bad thing. If you have seven, it's a bad thing and it's going to affect your training the next day. So smoking too much, if smoking too much is preventing you from being from training at your best the next day, then it's, it's not, it's not a good thing. Um, and during camp, if they, if you're, it can have a negative effect on your lung capacity for sure. So I think there's also that is like, if, if you're a fighter or you're a jujitsu athlete and you have a competition and you enjoy smoking marijuana, you probably want to keep in mind that you probably need to scale it back and make sure that it's not having a negative effect on your, on your lung capacity. So kind of staying in the, in the supplement supp uh, substance kind of world, are there any supplements that you use or you think that would help fighters, jujitsu guys, those sorts of things? Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, amino acids, right, as a recovery, um, I think that can be, you know, really, really powerful. I think having, having like a carbohydrate supplement prior, so um, one of the ones that I've used and athletes have used by Targo, it's like a fast-absorbing carbohydrate supplement that you can take depending on the person, but a lot of times it would be like a pre and then even like intra because jiu-jitsu practice, your guys are, you know, guys and girls are sweating, so you know, right? Like you're refueling your system and then even a post, but really that optimizing of optimizing of the fueling and optimizing of uh, macronutrient, micronutrients. I think it's really important for any athlete understanding that um, a protein supplement can be beneficial. Vitamin D every day. That's a big one. I think everybody should probably do a vitamin D and like an omega every day. Um, that's kind of what, I mean, and even creatine can be a, depending on, you know, somebody's, somebody's goals, I think as a recovery, especially maybe say someone's cutting weight, I think creatine can come into play. So, you know, you mentioned cutting weight. What have you seen as far as effective methods to cut weight, get ready for a fight? And what are some mistakes that you see that a lot of people do getting ready, doing that? probably number one is work with a professional. So that would be like, if it, it's such a science and that is not my, my 
science. Like I understand it enough to give at least some decent instruction, but I would also like kind of clarify that that's not, that isn't my, my passion movement training mindset is my passion. So I think working with somebody understanding like really the intricacy of it would be the most important piece. Um, and, and that can be really messed up. Like you see it right with the hydration aspect and people that just, this mess it up. And then it's just, everything is so connected. So you mess that up and then you, you, your nervous system is off and your, you know, your head is off. So it's, it's one of those things you don't want to mess with for sure. So, you know, you mentioned your passion is movement and those sorts of things. Uh, you know, how do you work with your clients and do you only work with professional athletes or do you work with like regular people too? Yeah, everyone. Uh, we, so I, my gym, we have, um, we have seven coaches right now. We have a physical therapist. We have, uh, we have all different types of people. Uh, so, and I, my thing, my, really the, the passion that I have is for just helping people that want to be helped. So regardless of pro athlete, I want just a champion mindset, somebody that that's embracing growth. So that could be a 75 year old grandma that just shows up and appreciates the direction appreciates the coaching. It could be a UFC fighter. It's really, to me, it's about that connection and that, that opportunity to help somebody feel better that I appreciate and embrace. So if somebody wants to work with you, do they have to be like based here in Phoenix? Do they have to go to your gym or do you do online stuff too? Do online stuff as well. So we do, we have kind of multiple um, pathways into that, into that system. One of them is I'll do a, and my coaches will do a, a FaceTime or a Zoom evaluation, a goal assessment, that, that type of thing. And then that leads into a program design that we build in our app. And there's a lot of different ways to go about that, right? You, I'll have people that will have a 12-week plan built, build the plan good. You know, we're checking in. I have, I have people that I check in with weekly that will do, right, Zoom calls, FaceTime calls every week. And then we also do some just virtual training where I'll, we'll actually log in and I'm coaching or one of my coaches is coaching somebody remotely like this or we're watching them. It's kind of cool. I, I have a guy that I've worked with for a while that's, that's in uh, Scotland. And he's a 55-year-old CEO type guy, just really driven, very, very cool guy. And he's got a gym at his house, and he sets up his, his iPad, and I log on, and like, here we go. You know, it's, I'm basically coaching him over the phone, which is pretty cool. Nice. So, you know, where can people connect with you if they want to learn more, get you to train them, that sort of thing? Um, the premier fitness systems. So premier fitness systems is that's my gym. We have a website, premier fitness systems.com. Uh, I definitely, that's probably the main source I use right now for connecting with people. So that's, you'd mentioned it earlier, but, uh, I think it's just Brandon underscore PFS. Make sure I'm not, make sure I'm not messing that up. Right. Yeah, that's what I have yeah. between the two of us. Yeah. Have it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon underscore PFS. So PFS has Premier Fitness Systems, and I I try I try my best to to connect with everybody on that that platform. Like I always appreciate the the connections. So you know if it's if it's something that I can help with, I always try to to get you know to give some guidance and and 
you know, to, to try to do that for free how, whenever I can. Um, you know, you had mentioned the Hire Human Project. That's, that's going to be another resource for that. And my goal there is primarily a podcast because I think these long, these long format conversations are really cool. And it's just connecting with people that embrace growth. So the, the idea there is to try, to try to help people understand how do you make those steps, right? How do you, how do you embrace a life of, of like struggle provides opportunity rather than wanting to be comfortable? It's like changing your, reframing your mindset that really struggle is opportunity to grow. So that's, that's the goal there is to connect with people that have embraced that. And then I'm, I'm doing that breathwork challenge that that's going to be coming out soon. So that'll be another way uh, to connect. And there, I'm just, my goal there is to introduce a breathing practice in a very simple way that progresses over time so that it's absorbable, so that people can actually, you know, they can dive into it and it's not overwhelming. That's, that's going to be the goal there. Awesome. All right. So check you out on your website, premierfitnesssystems.com. Uh, Instagram at Brandon underscore PFS. You have the Higher Human podcast, and there's going to be other stuff around Higher Human, or is it primarily a podcast? Yes, the the vision there is to create a community that revolves around growth. So my goal there will be to have a um, a platform where there will be training programs, there will be uh, you know breathwork programs, and and probably like a kind of you know where there's eventually you probably have a small subscription. Right. to where, you know, somebody you sign up for that and it's a monthly and you get access to all this stuff. That'll be the goal. Um, so it'll be this holistic, holistic health, holistic performance spot for people to go where there's breath work, there's mindfulness, there's just other things. Is that that's really my like my ultimate passion is that is um, as I've embraced that in my life, it, I feel like it's just it's helped me so much and ultimately it's to try to try to give that back to people. Cause I think we all deserve it. You know, we all, um, it's just, it's hard now, right? Like it's hard to know where to go. It's hard to know what, what's right. That, that I think is going to be a problem that continues to exist is, you know, you look up something online and you're like, just, it's overwhelming. Right. What do I do? So, you know, to try to provide some trusted resource, at least with the things that I feel like I'm qualified to talk on. Yeah, for sure. That is the hard part because, you know, whether it's the news or anytime you see a headline, you then have to Google that headline and find like five other things or either, you know, like diet, workout, supplementation advice. That's part of what I'm doing is I'm trying to find like the best people I can connect with to figure out what the hell should I be doing somewhat selfishly to make myself better. But then also like, how do I help others kind of bring all those resources together so we can figure out, you know, what is the right path going forward? Yeah, man. I love it. You know, it's cool what people are doing, um, like what you're doing, you know, bringing me on and providing this, this, uh, platform for me to talk. I really appreciate that. Cause I think you, know, I, you can tell when you meet somebody that you're, you're genuinely, you're a genuine human and you're doing it for the right reason, which is, that's what it's about, man. Yeah. Awesome. So, Hey, Brandon, I want to, I know you're busy. We're filming this on a Sunday. And so I'm sure you got, you know, things you got to do other than, uh, than hang out and talk to us, but I, I definitely appreciate coming on. Yeah, well, hey, I appreciate the time, the opportunity, you know, love what you're doing, like I said, and, and yeah, much love, man. All right, so again, this is Brandon. Check him out on Instagram. Check out his Higher Human podcast. It's all coming in way, but thanks again, Brandon.